0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I'm so grateful. You know, I, I, after uh, temporarily being closed there in the uh, 2020. I, I've never been more grateful to go to church than I am these days, man. I just, I don't, didn't like that one bit. And so I'm so grateful uh, that we get to assemble and be together and you know uh, the book of hebrews is very clear to us when it says to not forsake the assembling of the saints uh, as is the manner of some especially as you see the day approaching and so really we're told by the writer of hebrews that as the end times get hotter and as the end times uh, get deeper and deeper into it that's when it's especially important that christians assemble together and actually go to church together and there's no substitute for that so anyway praise god that's for somebody out there just throwing that out there but the title tonight is this now sunday we, we talked about reaping and sowing on sunday morning sunday night it was a real feel-good encouragement time if you were here for that and so tonight i don't know you may not like this maybe you will maybe you won't but that's okay hey jesus likes it so that's what matters we're going to be talking about this topic Excuses. And really, if you wanted to add the subtitle, the subtitle would be and procrastination. Uh, so it's, you know, hey, uh, it's something that we need to be reminded of from time to time. And I, I like to uh, bring this topic up occasionally and uh, and just uh, encourage us and fire us up a little bit because excuses and procrastination will absolutely hold you back from growing in your faith and it'll hold you back from the promises of God. And so I know every single one of us at one point or another have made excuses for either not doing what we're supposed to do or for doing something that we're not supposed to do, amen. And so either way, um, it, it's kind of a, a, an interesting topic to talk about. Now, often times at the men's meeting, I like to propose this question to the men: What separates the men from the boys? Right? How do you know, like, when you are mature and growing up, and you're getting somewhere, or when you're still just a boy? And there's a there's a defining time in each in each male's life where you. Changed from just being a boy to being a man, and and I know one thing though about boys and about children is they're very good at making excuses and not accepting responsibility, and uh, and and so as much as little kids do that, I mean parents, you know, they kind of do that sometimes, right? I Any mean, you ever see your kids doing that? You're like, hey, who ate all the cookies out of the cookie jar? And their face is covered in chocolate. I don't know, and it's like, uh, well, it's obvious, you know. But, but, but there's procrastination, there's excuses, and it's funny when children do it, maybe. But as adults, I'm talking about spiritually, uh, we got to get past this making excuses. Well, I, I, I would get into the word if, uh, you know, if my husband would remind me. I would get into the word every day if my wife would just make some time or if it was better to understand or if somebody would just, you know, deliver it right there to me and and uh, whatever. But you've got to come to a place in life where you quit making excuses and we quit procrastinating and we do what we're supposed to do. And and the reason I even talk about this is my heart is to help people. My heart isn't to, you know, make people feel bad and condemned and judged. My heart is to help people. And I see so many people with tremendous potential to do great things for God. People with tremendous potential to change their life and go to the next level of life to to increase their capacity in life. But excuses will hold you back. Benjamin Franklin said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. He who is good at making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And I'm like, man, that's just a lot. That's a lot of wisdom right there. So I'm going to break this down into a few points tonight. And I, I encourage you to listen up. And I know every now and then I need to hear this message i need to hear this word to remind me hey wake up quit playing around now times are getting serious does anybody in here realize or at least uh, a little bit that it's the end times i mean i don't hope i'm not the only one but you know we've preached on this we've talked about it we've studied it and it's not just cuz we've got nothing else to talk about In my heart, I believe that Jesus is coming back soon. I believe that I'm seeing prophecy fulfilled all the time. Things that Jesus said, hey, this, 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 and this is going to happen. And when you see these things, look to the sky, for your redemption draweth nigh. And I'm seeing these things, and I know this much This is not the time for Christians to be lazy. This is not the time for Christians to be making excuses or giving Jesus a half-hearted effort. This is the time for the church to arise, for Christians to arise and give Jesus 100%. Because Jesus... That's cute. Thank you. (laughs) Let's give Jesus some praise tonight, somebody. Come on! Jesus gave you 100%. I'm glad that Jesus didn't give me 50%, that Jesus didn't just save me 60%. I have received a radical, incredible salvation because Jesus gave one No excuses, no lazy, no procrastination. Jesus got up that day and he was betrayed and went to the cross and he didn't find a way out. Jesus gave his all. How can I live with myself and give Jesus a half-baked, half-hearted effort in my Christian faith? I can't look at myself in the mirror and give Jesus only half or 25% or 75% of what I am. I've got to give Jesus my all because he gave his all. So we're going to look at a few things here tonight that will hopefully motivate you to give our best for Jesus. No more excuses. Number one is this. Number one, don't play the blame game. Don't Play the blame game. And I'm telling you that our brother Adam invented this game. You guys, you know, our big brother Adam. You go way back. We're related to this man named Adam. And the man invented the game in Genesis chapter 3. So let's flip back there real quick. Genesis chapter 3. Amen. I've got a lot of verses tonight. So you're going to probably have to just buckle up and try to turn as fast as you can with me. Genesis chapter 3. Now check this out. We're talking about don't play the blame game. we got to own up to some things. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look here at verse 12. And so Adam and Eve, they ate the forbidden fruit. God says, hey, there's millions of trees in this garden. You can eat from every single one of them. You can do whatever you want to do. There's just one rule. Leave that one tree alone. And wouldn't you know it, that's the tree they went for. Satan comes and tempts them and, and they, they failed the test. They choked in the moment and, uh, and they ate the fruit from the one tree they weren't supposed to do. So God shows up and he's like, hey, what happened here? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12, the man replied, it was the woman. That you gave me. Who gave me the fruit? and then I ate it. And so, as we've pointed out before, this is a bad spot because Adam blames his wife, and then he blames God all in the same sentence. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and and talk about, Adam was throwing people under the bus before there was buses. I mean, this guy was good. He invented this whole thing, and he blames his wife. Don't pass the blame on it was i think it was president truman that kept a sign on his desk that said the buck stops here you know what if something goes on in my household i'm the i'm the husband i'm the head of the house according to the bible i'm gonna have to say you know what the buck stops here i'm gonna have to take responsibility for that and i'm gonna have to fix this situation and correct it. But the bug stops here. I can't play the blame game and always find somebody else to blame things on. And our generation is professionals at this. Yeah, I went out and robbed this bank, but it's because I wasn't held as a child. So that makes it, you know, that's, yeah, I went out and I, yeah, I, I, I beat them up and I, I slashed their tires and, but it's this guy's fault over here. What? The blame game. When we have something going on, we're going to have to deal with it. And Adam failed this test. Look at this verse, Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. Proverbs 28, verse 13. So we have the New Living Translation. And I'm talking right here about the Living Bible. So Proverbs 28, verse 13. Check this verse out. And it's, it's, it's getting real. Proverbs 28 and verse 13, it says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Think about that. A man who m- refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Now I don't think everybody gets that, but that's, that's the gospel truth right there. That if we can't admit when we've been wrong, you will never, you'll never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Who likes getting another chance? I've needed a couple chances, okay? <laughs> I'm grateful for another chance. But that other chance comes when I confess my mistakes or sins and I forsake them so notice it talks about forsaking the sin right there or the mistake it's one thing to say you know hey yeah i'm 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 doing this yeah absolutely period no you gotta you gotta forsake the sin you gotta forsake it and so i've heard some people i heard one preacher say well repenting it simply just means changing your mind and that is not true repentance is Absolutely a change of heart and mind, and then forsaking the sin and turning around and stopping doing it. It's not just enough to say, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm doing it. I, I, absolutely, that's not repentance. Repentance is when we forsake it and turn things around. So don't play the blame game with others, but I'm going to take it a step further. Now, this may rock some of your socks, but listen, you can't also, you can't always just play the blame game with the devil. Because... Oftentimes, we fall into this rut. And yes, the devil is behind all evil. We know this. We believe it. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But there does come a point in time where we have to crucify our own flesh and exercise the self-control that we have been blessed with. Satan didn't make me eat those four pounds of hot wings at the last Super Bowl party. I did that on my own. Now I paid for it. This is an example. I didn't really do this, but 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 what I'm saying is, oftentimes we'll do these things when and and well, the devil made me do it. Yeah, I I yell and scream and cuss at my kids, and you know, blah 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 blah. But the devil made me do it. Hold on now. You have power, love, and a sound mind, and the literal translation is self-control, according to Galatians chapter five. A fruit of the spirit is. Self control. We have to exercise these gifts from God that we've been given. But yes, the devil plays his role in so much in this world. We we understand this, but you can't always just continuously keep doing the right thing and just oh the devil made me do it. So yeah, I'll just go do it again. It doesn't work that way. We have to answer for what's going on in our life. And we'll all stand before God and give an account for what we've done in this world. So this brings me beautifully to point number two. I can tell number one has been just very, very popular with you guys. So you're going to love number two. You're going to love this one. Uh, it's always very popular. Don't make excuses for sin. Don't play the blame game and don't make excuses for sin. We all make mistakes and we all sin. That doesn't mean that it's okay and that we shouldn't correct those things. And so, again, I want to reiterate, the whole purpose of this message is to get us in the best shape that we can be in as Christians for the end times battle. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, okay? And so it's a real battle that we're in. And if we're blaming everybody else and we're not just making excuses for all this stuff – you're not gonna be a good soldier in the army of God. My purpose is to help us tonight. My purpose is to get us in the best shape that we can get in. And so look at this, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 5. Galatians 6 and verse 5. So again, we're talking about, hey, we, 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 we mess up. We, we've sinned. We've done something that we shouldn't have done. What do we do? We repent. We correct the situation. We ask for forgiveness. Thank God, according to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's forgiveness, but there does have to be repentance. And at and a time where we say, you know what, no more excuses. I'm done with this in the name of Jesus. And so we are not going to make excuses for sin. We're going to deal with it. Why? So we can be the best soldier in God's army that we can be, and when the devil shows up for the fight, we're ready for the fight. Galatians six verse five and here's a good one, great verse uh, --For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Can I get an amen? Yeah, For we are each responsible for our own conduct. That doesn't say, "Hey, you're responsible for your neighbor's conduct. Hey, you're responsible for your husband's conduct, your kid's conduct. No, you're responsible for your own conduct. And in the end, I'm not going to stand before God uh, on judgment day and give an account for my wife's life. I'm going to have to give an account for my life. And, and I can't say, well, Katie, you know, you, you talk to God about my life. I, want to, I just want to go over here to the streets of gold. I, I don't want to be around. For all. No, you got to have that conversation. And I know we, do, we don't like having tough conversations all the time. But know this. We all will stand before God someday and give an account for our lives. And I'm going to read the verse later, but it's 2 Corinthians 5.10. And so we will all stand before God and give an account, and that's something to think about uh, in in this life right now. So Galatians 6.5 says we are each responsible for our own conduct. Look at Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30, and I promise you, we're going to encourage you tonight, and we're getting us into the best shape we can be for the end times battle. Now, I get it that we all have different areas we struggle in, When we stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, well, I know you really struggled with lust, so I can't hold you responsible. Go ahead. Forget about it. No. We're each responsible. And I know that different people struggle more with different areas, right? I mean, I struggle with areas that maybe are real easy for you. And maybe you struggle with areas that aren't really much of an issue for me. But it doesn't matter. We are each responsible for our own conduct. And thank God that uh, we aren't just doing this on our own. We aren't just trying to overcome struggles and sin on our own. We have the power of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us. And so we have all the power that we need right here on the inside of us. But we have to yield to that power. We have to tap in to that power. And we have to submit to that power, but we can overcome anything in this world. Ephesians 430, it says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And so God has identified you as his own. Think about that. He's like, hey, that's my kid right there. Yeah, that's that is my daughter. That is my son, and so he's identified us as his own. I don't want to embarrass the father. You know what I mean? I mean, we've all had moments where our kids have probably, you know, embarrassed us a little bit. Anyone? (laughs) It's it's happened. I know, man. There's there's moments that I've probably embarrassed my parents. You probably we've all done that, and thank God they didn't disown us. Like, yeah. Whose kid is that? I mean, come on, somebody take care of that. No, our parents still loved us, but God has identified us as his own. And it tells us, don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way that we live our lives. And again, we understand that we've all made mistakes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we don't have to stay there. I want to live the best life that I can live for Jesus. I want to make him proud. John 15 talks about uh he says I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, it's the seventh I am statement that Jesus made in the book of John. He says I am the vine and it talks about hey, he prunes the branches that are productive, so they'll be even more productive, and Jesus said something very key at the end of that passage. He said, when you produce much fruit, when you're, when you are producing as a Christian, it brings glory to God the Father, and what I want to do in this life is, I want to bring glory to God the Father. I don't care if anybody comes down here and says, man, look at that preacher. He can preach I don't want that. I don't want anybody to come down and say, oh, man, I don't need the attention. But what I do want is to have such a blessed life that I can say, whoa, hold on now. I can tell you how you can also be healthy. I can tell you how you can also have a good marriage. I can tell you how you can also prosper and be in health. It's God the Father. He did this to me. I want to give him the glory. I want to point people straight to Jesus, but if I'm just as messed up as they are, they don't want none of this. They don't want none of this. I want people to be able to look at my life and say, you know what, he's got something that I need. I remember this one time in college, uh, I worked, uh, I worked at the Dish Network call center, okay, and just, Just thank God right now that I'm out of the customer service industry because I stink at it. I'm no good. And so, I mean, you know, I just don't like getting yelled at. And if you work answering phones for a customer service thing, you get yelled at. And if there's one thing that people really value in this life, it's television. They love their TVs. And so when it goes down, people call and yell at you, threaten you, and blah, blah, blah. And so I just – I didn't like it. But I tried to to be the best Christian example I could be. So one day – I'm on the phone call, and a coworker just comes up and and hands me this note, and I'm like, "Okay, not used to dudes handing me notes, but all right, let's see what's this all about." So, uh, you know, I, I open up the note, and 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 the guy says, "You know what? I have watched you and Katie for the last year, and there's undeniably there's something different about you guys from everybody else in this place. Tell me what your secret is. Tell me why you guys are so happy. Tell me what's different." And I'm like. Oh my gosh, this is the absolute best, uh, witness. I mean, this is incredible. And so, yeah, I told him, man, it's Jesus Christ, brother. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and He changed my life. He lit up my world. And I told him all about Jesus, got him into a church, started giving him Kenneth Hagin books. Come on. And, and, and it was an awesome experience. And, 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 but listen, if I was late to work every day like all the other guys, I'm just saying I showed up to work on time I, I hey i I was not good at answering the phones, but I did show up on time, okay, and so <laughs> I showed up on time and 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 you know I gave it the best that I could give it I'll say that and 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 if I was just as mad if I sat around complaining about the job like everybody else did, can you believe that they're 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 paying us crumbs. They treat us like slaves. Blah, 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 blah. And, And none of that was true. They treated us good, but everybody did complain. And so if I was just like that, would somebody want to come and say, man, how can I be just like you? I'd love to learn how to complain better, and you are incredible at it. Man, just tell me how you are consistently late every day. What's your secret? How do you stink at your job so bad that I could be more like you? No, that's not how it works. Listen, when we're living a good Christian life, that's how people, they, they, they see you. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so let your light shine. But if we're too busy making excuses and procrastinating and really just not doing that good of a job, nobody wants to see that light. Nobody wants to be like that. Pastor Dave, you're mean. I'm not mean. I'm trying to help people tonight. We need strong Christians in 2021. We need really strong Christians in 2022. And people need to be able to look at us and say, that guy's got answers. That girl right there, she must know something that I don't know. And I'm going to find out what it is she knows. We need to be the light of the world. So number one, don't play the blame game. Number two, don't make excuses for sin. Number three, don't make excuses for laziness. You're welcome. Don't make excuses for laziness. How about we go to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 4. Proverbs 20 and verse 4. What a what a uh, good time to talk about this. You know, it's, it's interesting to see the national labor shortages, and uh, it's incredible <laughs> to see how many people, you know, simply don't want to go to work right now. And it, it's sad, and, you know, the country's paying for it, but listen. We can't let that creep into our lives. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 4 in the New King James, it says, The lazy man will not plow because it's winter, but he will beg during harvest and have nothing. What an excuse. Well, I can't go out there and plow. It's, it's winter time, and you know it's it's not the right season for me. And I just can't I can't get out there. So he'll make excuses, even though other people are figuring out how to do it. And then what happens? He begs during harvest and has nothing. And I've seen so many times somebody's like, "Man, it's no fair. God God blesses Dylan all the time. God blesses Norma all the time. God blesses Case. What's wrong?" I don't get it. Why not me? And and I I hate to blame God, but I just don't get it. Why do all these other people seem to get all the blood? Well, during planting time, they planted. And then when harvest time came, they got to reap the harvest. It's not because God likes them more. They just planted during planting season. They just weren't lazy about it. And and so that's something that we need to consider. Look at this one, Proverbs 26, verses 12 through 16. Proverbs 26, verses 12 through 16. Again, we're just trying to make stronger Christians. That's all we're doing here, trying to make stronger Christians, trying to get us in the best shape we can be in for the end times. So Proverbs 26, we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. Now what we have here is, the writer of this chapter goes basically several verses. You ever notice how in the book of Proverbs, especially the deeper you get into the book, each verse is pretty much not related to the verse on either side of it. It's just completely its own thing. Well, what we've got here is uh, 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 an exception to that rule. We've got several verses in a row where the writer of this chapter is just going on and on and on about laziness. And so it's it's a very interesting. Proverbs 26, verses 12 through 16 And I just threw this verse in because it's a good one. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. Prudent, somebody that's wise, somebody that's on top of it, somebody that's not lazy. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. All right, well, think about that one. Uh, Next verse, verse 13. Verse. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Well, I was in 27. I'm sorry, guys. That was a good verse, though. That was a good verse. Write that down. The problem is I've highlighted so many verses in here that I'm like, but that was a good verse. Um, Proverbs 26, verse 12. All right, and this, Proverbs 26, verse 12. There's more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. There's more hope for fools than for people who think they're wise. Look at this, verse 13. The lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. And what is that? That's just an absurd, stupid, lazy excuse. And all he's saying there is, there's a lazy person will make up the most ridiculous, unfounded, unsubstantiated, nonsense excuses from going out and, and getting the job done. And so a lazy person will say something as stupid as, you know, there's a lion out there. I, I couldn't go out there. And it sounds crazy, but we hear dumber things in our day and age. Verse 14. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Isn't that encouraging? You feel good reading this? I mean, come on. You want to get this on a t-shirt. Amen. Verse 15. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Gosh, I don't even like this. is crazy, and 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 again, it seems like uh, well, that's exaggerated. Really, I don't. I don't know that it is. (laughs) Lazy people do some crazy stuff. But look at this, verse sixteen. It says, "Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors." Now, I'm just gonna be straight. That I gotta say, a lot of the lazy people I know actually think they're super smart, and think that they're smarter than, uh, in fact, I'll just, I remember one time, very specifically, this, this just, boom, came back to me, I, this is about 10 years ago, I was in Walmart, there was a young man uh locally that I knew, and an able-bodied young man, a couple years younger than me, so he must have been in his early 20s or something, and so I see him in Walmart, and and I, and I knew he hadn't had a job for a while, I'm like, oh man, so uh how's the job search coming, you, you, you found a job yet, he's like, <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm like what you know i mean he's got a couple of kids by this point so i'm thinking a job's a pretty good thing you know when you got kids and stuff like that but anyway he's like man you kidding me that's for suckers i'm like what <laughs> and he goes on to tell me how he's you know got a great way to beat the system and stuff and i'm like wow a foolish lazy person they really think they're smart but in the end do you know how much more money you can make if you Work really hard and go out and get a great job more than you. You know, I'm not again this is the judgment, but if you go out and get an education and get a really good job and and go go really apply yourself, you can make so much more money than just simply living on welfare your whole life. That's not mean. That's not judgmental, so don't look at me crazy. That's just the truth. Now, some people are in a bad spot where they, you know, are temporarily need that or they're disabled. But I'm talking about when you're a 25-year-old able-bodied man and you are laughing how you can get free money off of the government, that's shameful and foolish and disgusting. Shame on you. Amen? So that's nothing to brag about. And so I know people like this, you know, well, yeah, they, they can they got all the time in the world to research things on Google. So maybe they've got some, you know, facts. But at the same time, that does not make you a wise person. And so the sad thing about laziness, though, is this is that laziness will destroy you. Why? Because a lazy person isn't they're never just lazy in one area. It carries over into every part of their life. Most of the people I know uh, who are lazy, it's not just about their work or their employment. They're also really lazy about their parenting. They're lazy about, you know, their marriage. They're lazy about all sorts of things, and they're lazy about their relationship with God. I don't know anybody that's like the, you know, the the, the hardest worker in the world. And, and but but yeah, you, know, you know, whatever. No, listen, it carries over into every area of your life and George Washington Carver the great peanut man he said 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses and so again I'm encouraging people tonight we got to get through some of this stuff don't make come on Somebody else had it worse, and yet they still pushed through. George Washington Carver was born into slavery and had every disadvantage you could possibly ever have, yet he decided, he wanted, Lord, I want to know the secret to the whole universe. I want to be the smartest man ever. And the Lord spoke to his spirit and said, you couldn't handle that. Let me tell you about something that you can't handle. I'll tell you all about the peanut. You know, what? What an insult. But he learned everything he could learn about the peanut. And came up with so many inventions from the peanut that he changed the world with a peanut. And he could have had every excuse. Well, I didn't get a, you know, I didn't get a fair start in life. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. I was disadvantaged. But he pushed all that aside and said, God, forget all that. I want to give my best for you. Give me something that I could change the world with. And God gave. And you don't know all the things he invented. He didn't invent peanut butter, contrary to popular belief. But. Which, that would have been cool, right? We love peanut butter. But at the same time, he invented from the peanut, plastics, and all sorts of materials that we use to this day. Yet, he could have made excuses and said, there's a lion out there on the road. I can't go to work today. He didn't do it. He got out there, and God used him. All right? And so, I'm just going to go ahead to point number four. Look at this. Look at this. Don't make excuses for not serving God. This is the main thing I want to get at tonight. Don't make excuses for not serving God. I heard of a church one time. That's a pretty good idea. I heard of this church. um, I think it was back in Indiana, actually, that they came up with a no excuse Sunday. And what they did is they, they took one Sunday and eliminated every possible excuse that all the lukewarmers always had for not coming to church. And so for those who were always too tired for church, they provided beds in the back of the sanctuary. Okay, you're tired. just come. For those who always felt too sick to go, they hired an ER doctor to be on standby for the day. For those who were too hungry, they provided food and coffee for that day. For those who couldn't miss the big football game, they put TVs out in the lobby. Just come. You can even watch it right here with us. They covered every possible excuse that people gave for not coming to church. And guess what happened? The people that made all of those excuses still didn't come. Why is that? Because all of their excuses are simply that—just excuses. And even if we could wine and dine them and give them everything they want, if you have, if you've grown lazy spiritually, if it's just, if Jesus just doesn't have control of your heart, you'll. Find any possible way to get out of doing the things of God. Maybe things that you used to love. Things that you used to be on the front lines for. If we start to cool off spiritually, things that we used to make excuses to go do for Jesus, now we'll make excuses to not do for Jesus. I, I would go, but there's a lion out there on the road. Really? That's silly. That's foolish. That doesn't make any sense. Listen to yourself. I'd go, but i got to wash my hair. It's Friday. <laughs> no. No excuses. Second Corinthians five 10. 2 Corinthians five ten. I told you we were going there, so we might as well. <laughs> some some of us <laughs> I see right through that one. If you're bald I'm gonna call your bluff. Second <laughs> Corinthians five verse ten. And so this is it's getting real here. I just want to remind you of good old Benjamin Franklin. He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 10 of the New King James, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Who, who has to appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Well, I do. You do. All of us at some point will appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You'll stand, you'll give an answer, and you'll either receive rewards for the good things you did for God in this life, or you'll answer for the not good things that you did in this life. But the fact of the matter is this, is that we all stand before Jesus, and there's not going to be any excuses there. And so one thing, you know, that I... that especially over the last two years, COVID was the perfect opportunity for lazy Christians to make their exit. Now, I thank God, High Desert Word Center, and I I say this in all humility, we are literally one of the only churches that I know of that our attendance went up through the last, and we grew. I know very few, and I give glory to God, not glory to us or anything, but fact of the matter. I mean, I've talked to so many pastors all over America, and gone to lots of conferences lately, and that's the glory of God. But the truth of the, but there were still some that even from this church, that well, here's where I get off. Here's my perfect chance. I'll watch online. What we preach about Sunday? Uh, well, I mean, I missed that one. Listen, it was the perfect opportunity for lazy Christians to make their exit. Now I heard Pastor Gerald Brooks say something that just I gotta share it again. But he said COVID didn't change Christians' level of commitment, it revealed it. Some people like, well they used to be super committed before COVID and then now you know uh they just no 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 no. It didn't change all of a sudden you were on hot and on fire for God and just boop instantly. No. What it did was it really revealed who was really committed to Jesus. And so I, again, I challenge us. I encourage us. I'm building us up tonight. I'm not picking on us that if we've even a little bit sensed ourselves starting to cool down on God, starting to back off of Jesus, correct it right now. Get it changed. Get it fixed. Because Crazier things are coming. (laughs) Crazier things are coming. And that's not to scare us, but that's just the truth of the matter. And so we need to be in the absolute best shape for Jesus that we can possibly be in. No excuses. No procrastination. No passing the buck, we've got to step up to the plate right now in this moment, because there's another true statement that I've heard, in a moment of crisis, people seldom rise to the occasion, and just someone that just out of nowhere rises up, no, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your preparation. And if you weren't prepared spiritually, if you weren't right with God spiritually, most of the time, you don't just out of, out of nowhere, somebody that was cold for Jesus just instantly rises to the top and they're on fire just out of nowhere for God and they instantly have the word coming out. No, you fall to the level of your preparation. Now, if you've been, I mean, if you've been in God's gym every day, if you've been reading the word, speaking the word, doing the word, showing up to God's house, serving in God's house, doing what he says to do. When crisis comes, you are ready for the devil. And he shows up and he's like, you sure you want to try this, buddy? (laughs) You sure you want to roll the dice on this? Because you're taking a great big chance messing with this household. We've decided that we're going to serve the Lord. And we didn't just decide that when things got bad. We made that decision a long time ago. We're ready for the fight, brother. And so when he shows up, you already have the word of God, just firing out of your mouth. But that doesn't happen if you've been lazy and you've been making excuses and you've been finding every possible way to not do what God's word says to do. And so I'm going to bring it in for tonight because I'm out of time. But out of everything that I've just said... All of that is to encourage you to light a fire underneath you and to let you know, let's go. Let's get ready. Let's be prepared for the day ahead. Amen. Let's stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.